This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, and boy, do we have a special show for you today. We are breaking down the Baked Burger Dynasty League, the infamous Baked Burger Dynasty League. We have some special guests with me right now, Dan Schneier. Dan, good to see you back on the toilet. Back on the toilet. You know, I'm leaning into this now, Heath. Um, obviously, one thing I need to do, add, I, I spoke with Tim before the podcast that we have on today. I need like a little toilet roll thing that I can put back here and then I can really <laughs> lean into this. That was my favorite thing, you guys. Tim Stafford here with us. And like, we're doing the introductions. And he says, oh, now I see why they call it the toilet. Tim, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here. Like, I'll, let me start by saying this. I'm by no means an analyst anymore. Uh, I could hold my own back in the day, uh, but unless you're in this stream every day and all moments, you can't keep up. So I give you guys credit. Um, you know, it's easy, like I think for folks listening to a podcast like this to think, oh, I can do that or whatever, but they have no idea how much work y'all put in. And having been there before, um, I just want to say thank you and uh, hope folks know that uh, your investment of time and effort into this is uh, what makes it fun for all of us. Now, now, Tim, you said back in the day, and and that's where I want to I want to rewind right at the start because you are here. We're going to talk about the uh, this startup dynasty league. We've got some really good questions, philosophical questions about any type of startup dynasty league. But you're also someone who has a a, a history in this industry. Um, in fact, one of the first writers or the first writer at, over at DLF. So, so tell everybody kind of about your history in the uh, in the dynasty fantasy football industry. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> want to show tremendous respect to the CBS folks, but uh, I think DLF, Dynasty League Football, is kind of like where it all started. Um, we, yeah, long ago, it was uh, just a forum, and we would communicate online about, and I'm talking like 2010, 2015, we would talk about Dynasty League teams. We'd ask each other questions, and what spawned out of that was um, – a great, uh, great website. And I was the first uh, staff writer for them when they decided to go beyond the forum. So I started writing content for them because before that, uh, the two site owners were the only content creators. And then 
after a few months of writing articles, I said, should we maybe create a podcast? And there was pushback, like nobody's going to want to listen to a podcast about Dynasty League football. We only want, we're only interested in uh, redraft. I'm like, I'm not sure. So myself and Jarrett Behar started the uh, DLF podcast. We did about a hundred episodes. I want to say that they're now pushing 600 episodes in a row of weekly content. I think they're the longest running uh, dynasty podcast that there is. And so kind of proud of creating that. Um, I'm sure some of your audience knows folks who have come out of there, like uh, Ryan McDowell. He is a great contributor to this sport and just, you know, one of the smartest guys in the space. And then Eric Moody was a writer for DLF and now he's at a four letter network. So yeah, it was, it was neat back in the day. So well, and I do want to thank you like for, for helping get that started because I do think like this is the best way to play fantasy football. I know you agree with that, Dan. It's fun hearing some of those names. I was actually on the DLF pod, I believe it was last month, with Ryan McDowell. So yeah, that's that's still going strong. Dan, we're just we're just getting started. I can't wait until we've got 600 episodes under our belt. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And I'm excited for all the reaction we've gotten so far. You can tell that people want this and people... Dynasty's it feels like an interesting spot for me because Dynasty's growing, but I feel like there's still a lot of people who don't know about it that are getting interested. Even like my home league friends, we started a Dynasty league last off season or no two off seasons ago, and they love it already. Like we're getting so into it, it's almost taking over the actual home league redraft we have, where people are more interested in the Dynasty and the redraft. So it's exciting times for Dynasty for sure. Okay, so we've got a couple of comments in the chat that lead to things that I wanted to talk about in the first place. So first off, Albert (laughs) says, where's Azer? And that's a a strange question to ask on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, but not today. Azer will be here a little bit later, maybe to defend his team, probably just to give us a hard time. But yes, Adam Azer, later in the show, if you're listening to the podcast, he is coming up soon. And then another question, and this, I'm going to kind of ask you guys in the comments, about what what you think about this. Somebody asked, is there a difference between Dynasty and Keeper? Please help me understand. There, there is a big difference. I kind of view Keeper Leagues as the gateway to Dynasty Leagues for people who are only used to playing Redraft. But, but the biggest difference is in Keeper Leagues, you generally only get to keep a certain number of your players, whereas in Dynasty Leagues, you get to keep everybody. Now... The reason I bring that question up is because I'm considering doing something in the next couple of weeks. I did a Twitter poll, oh, probably a month ago and asked everybody when their keeper deadline was. Like 75% of people, their keeper deadline was after August 15th. So it's right before the start of the season or right before their fantasy draft. I'd consider we get more keeper questions on on regular fantasy football today and really in in the five-star reviews for fantasy football today, Dynasty as well. I considered doing an episode of this show where maybe the second half was keeper questions, kind of trying to bring some of those keeper people into the dynasty community. But I know also there are some dynasty fantasy managers who who don't view that as the same thing. So, so let us know what you think. Feel free to send us an email, put a comment in here, send me a, a message on Twitter. If I get enough positive feedback, then we'll do a show in the next couple of weeks. And, and boy, do we have some good guests coming up. I've got Sigmund Bloom next week. 
and uh and it, it it's uh we're not we're not stopping there so so thank you guys for uh for supporting this thank you for all the positive feedback let's get into some news and notes jake ferguson is the clear tight end one for the dallas cowboys dan it's a new offense but historically with dak prescott any just a guy can be a top 12 tight end if they're playing with deck. Can Jake Ferguson matter this year and matter for dynasty leagues? Is he just somebody you pick up speculatively if you're a contender or do you think this could be a long-term starter? I like him more in redraft than I like him in dynasty. I think Luke Shoemaker was a tight end prospect. I really liked studying coming into this draft class. I think they draft, they went up and drafted him in the second round when some people rejected him as a day three pick based on age, because they saw the film. They really liked the film. Eventually. I think he ultimately will be the clear tight end one there. So I don't love Ferguson long-term dynasty redraft. I have a small amount of interest to be redraft type keeper, but I just think this offense is going to look a lot different going from, uh, Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy and the Mike McCarthy offense of the past with Rogers and even offshoots of it, like Ben McAdoo's giants really did not feature the tight end much. Uh, maybe you can say there weren't good tight ends in green Bay or with the giants during McAdoo's time. But I think there will be a little bit of a downtick, especially with Brandon cooks. They're taking targets. So I'm not really high on Ferguson, both redraft or dynasty. James Cook appears to be the clear RB1 for Buffalo. I'm not sure if we care about that, Tim. We're going to talk about running backs a lot in just a moment. I just want to, just philosophically, you don't necessarily have to talk about Cook, but when we get a young running back, year two running back like Cook, who hasn't really shown any us any reason to believe he'll be a feature running back in a situation with a quarterback who steals as many touchdowns as Josh Allen, is this is this strictly just an, an off-ramp to sell James Cook because of good news? Well, I think it's interesting when you look at Cook, um, you've got a guy who's, I think, 23 or 24, but you've got his dynasty ADP lower than his redraft ADP. I think it, since we're talking about dynasty on this show, I think if, if, if I were thinking about it, I'd focus on that. Like, why could his dynasty ADP be lower than his redraft ADP? That's a sell opportunity, Right. Right. So I, look, I think Cook, I think it's important that Cook has this opportunity this year. I think um, you know, he's probably a fringe RB two, three for redraft. But if I'm a dynasty owner, I'm looking at the fact that the dynasty community is lower on him than the redraft community. I, I do think that's an, a really interesting way to look at it. And we're going to talk more about redraft versus dynasty ADP for running backs and whether there should really be much difference at all. Just a little bit later, Dan, we've had a couple of uh, ancient running backs have signed. Marlon Mack signs with the Cardinals. And that's a situation where like, we've kind of been talking about this. Keontae Ingram, another young back, really the only guy behind James Conner. And so he had a little bit of appeal in that type of stash profile. And then also the Colts. We know the situation with Jonathan Taylor there. Zach Moss broke his arm. They signed Kenyon Drake. Dan, I want to put this in a specific context because I think there are a lot of teams out there in this position. I'm I'm finishing a rebuild. You know my wide receiver cords, Garrett Wilson, Devontae Smith, it's Jordan Addison, it's Elijah Moore. Like I've got five stud wide receivers. I have Patrick Mahomes. I have Mark Andrews. I've waited until this point to start accumulating running backs. And I really only have two maybe starters. One of them is Brees Hall. When waivers opens at the end of the month, any chance you think that Drake and or Mac 
could be someone that contenders who are in this situation stacked everywhere but running back should be adding as depth pieces, or are they not going to matter at all? I don't really foresee either of them mattering too much. Marlon Mack, it's been a few years since he's made an impact. I think the injuries have really taken a toll. Now, I don't know. I wasn't there for the workout when he had with the Cardinals. Maybe he's back to pre-injury form. But even that version of Mack was still someone who I thought didn't do a great job of processing his blocks, didn't didn't see the vision there. So maybe somebody who they used as, to, spe- to spell Connor. I don't even know if he would take over third down role. The other one is a little more interesting, Kenyon Drake, but I tend to be on the side of, Jonathan Taylor will be there week one. Jonathan Taylor will be playing week one. There's really no leverage for him. There's really no option. I don't look these, the Jacob Taylor Barkley holdouts or whatever you want to call them. To me, they never really factored into my rankings at all because I just don't foresee there being any real path toward them sitting out or being the only, the only thing that's factored in for me was the fact that Jacobs and Barkley did not get the extensions. And so right. they don't have any security beyond this year if an injury happens to those guys. I, I like. Um, knowing that there's there's some security beyond this year because those guys 25 26 years old they're like for dynasty players they're thinking man they're starting to get old but the truth is they've probably got two to three years of the type of production that we would have expected in a, in a running backs peak if they I had two to me, three years of contract I'd feel better about it that I agree with I think maybe the one thing that's maybe holding me back on the other side of it, the the cold side of it with Drake is I am higher on Evan Hole than most. I feel like he was a really right. good prospect and more importantly, and what he can do to get on the field right away. Cause he was good in pass protection at Northwestern. And he was good in the passing game just as a receiver. Um, so that to me, and maybe I'm over overstating that or overestimating where he is right now in his progress. Right. So it's different to pick up an NFL offense, but it kind of makes me less interested in, in them claiming somebody like Drake off the wire. So, Tim, speaking of that contract situation, I, I want to know if that matters at all to you. Miles Sanders received the biggest free agent contract this offseason at running back to join the Carolina Panthers. The reason today has turned into Miles Sanders' day is because Josh Norris of Underdog shared a video this morning of Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer talking to Miles Sanders, talking about reuniting him with Deuce Staley, talking about him catching 50 passes again like he did when he was with Deuce Staley and so that that's got people hyped up it's finally got like people have been scared to say I'm the Miles Sanders guy I've been the Miles Sanders guy now Chris Towers has popped out of the way like we've got we got four or five of them popping up on Twitter today but with these running backs who are 25 26 years old does it does it matter to you in terms of he's got a contract that shows he's going to be on their team for the next two years and probably the next three yeah, that does matter. I, I so you know, I I don't know how far to jump down in the show. <laughs> um, you know, from my perspective, I think we look at dynasty. Um, we're we're judging these players over like a forward-looking time frame, right? So it's almost like from a financial perspective, like a discounted cash flow. Like, how many points are they going to score five years out, four years out, three, and whatnot? Um, I have started to look at running backs in like a two-year time frame. Mm-hmm. I'm only really interested in what they're going to do this year and next. And I put a lot of weight on this year, right? a little less weight on next, and then a tiny little bit on the third. So, yeah, Miles Sanders is a player I like in Dynasty because he's a player that appears to have value this year, next, and maybe, maybe a chance year three. In that sense, I would weight him higher than, you know, some of even like the most elite guys 
because you're able to get him at such a discount. Right. So yeah, I do think it matters. I think it matters from a value perspective. And, and that's like this is leading into what we are going to talk about next. I'm going to go through my team in the Baked Burger Dynasty League. I think I'm the only person who has already drafted, completed my draft. I have two picks left, but I'm not going to get to use them. Can't imagine anybody's going to give, any, give anything for that. Let's take a short break, and then we'll get into the uh, startup league. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay so we're gonna we're gonna talk about my team first because tim wanted to talk about running backs and well i drafted all the running backs i took justin fields with the 11th pick overall this is a super flex half PPR dynasty startup, then Jonathan Taylor in round two. And the thing that really, and that was before all of this nonsense of the holdout and the back injury and everything or hold in. Um, the thing that changed everything for me was the three, four turn. I was shocked that Cooper cup was there at the end of round three. And then I paired him with Travis Kelsey. And at that point I'm basically playing for the 2023 season. I end up with Jahan Dotson Damian Pierce, Rashad, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones. You can see the roster here on the screen here. If you're watching on YouTube, there's James Conner a little bit later. My second and third quarterback are Matthew Stafford and Ryan Tannehill. It's an old team, but by redraft rankings, it's pretty clearly the highest ranked team this year. And I think probably has a two-year window. The difference for me and the reason I'm more comfortable doing this, um, and we talk about this in our other YOLO Dynasty League, there are certain people that just hate rebuilding i'm not one of those people i like the the true tear down and rebuild i enjoy almost as much not quite as much because i like winning almost as much as i do contending so i i wouldn't suggest maybe going this far all in on year one if you don't like that because i can see 2025 i'm probably looking at the beginning of a rebuild and 2026 i'm probably not committing 
But let's start with Jonathan Taylor, because one of the questions you sent to me, Tim, was what, what should managers take away from the significant loss in value the past year for Najee, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Walker, and I, I'd throw Javante Williams with his injury into that mix as well. I think, I think Najee, Swift, and Javante were top five running backs for everyone a year ago at this time. Now I'm not sure any of them are top 10 running backs. Does that just mean we shouldn't take any running backs in the first two rounds of a startup? Well, I'd add Ken Walker to that too. I mean, let's, let's consider Ken Walker in DLF uh, one QB ADP ranks uh, peaked at uh, overall number five. Think about that. Ken Walker as a number five overall pick. Um, I don't, I don't know that it means you shouldn't take those guys, but I think what it means is that you should seriously contemplate moving them after you uh, take them. So like, think about it this way. Um, So you take uh, CMC or you take Taylor or you take Brees Hall. If you could flip that down to Barkley, maybe two rounds later, plus get an add-in to that, you're getting the same or similar production for this year, and you're getting maybe a future uh, prospect or pick. So what, what I'm doing in Dynasty Leagues with respect to elite running backs, and I'm talking about the guys that are truly elite, like Bijan or CMC, or uh, I, I'm trading those guys down to the next tier to get similar – like. Here's a great guy to think about, Akers. I would much rather, to say I own Bijan. I would take Bijan, trade down to Akers, and get an additional set of players around that because I'm going to get the same year or two production because I don't trust any running back beyond two years. And if I don't, if I believe that and I don't trust that, then I ought to take those uh, additional assets. Does that make sense? That makes sense. There's Adam Azer jumping into the show. Adam, welcome. Oh, thank you. Yes, uh, that was an interesting take. That, that you were you were fast in getting here. We weren't expecting you for a little while longer. Dan, you look at these running backs who went in the first two rounds. There were four of them. Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall. And then I'll throw in Jameer Gibbs because you took him just three picks after Brees Hall. That was five running backs in what the first 25, 26 picks of this draft. How do you feel about the values there? And then any comments on what Tim said? Yeah, I want to start by touching on what Tim said. What Tim said is kind of the basis of my whole dynasty strategy, one of which I didn't follow at all in the big (laughs) dynasty league draft, unfortunately. I just couldn't pass up on the value of Brees Hall sliding to 211. To me, it didn't make any sense. And then I couldn't pass up on the value of Jameer Gibbs. It also hurt that one pick before me. Amon Ross St. Brown went before Brees Hall, who I probably would have taken. I still think I would have taken Brees, but one pick before me with Jameer Gibbs was Chris Olave, who I was targeting. And so I don't like to take running backs early with my major assets in Dynasty. I like to punt running back in general in Dynasty, but I think it's important to kind of adjust to how the league is going and where the value is. And I think what Tim said is true. I may be looking to trade these assets at some point and that point won't be now. I want them to have a certain type of season before I make that trade. Cause then I think their value skyrockets to another point where I can get even more assets. I know Tim was talking about the assets he can get. I think the only one right now of these four, and then if you want to include 
Gibbs, who you could sell at the peak right now, would actually be Bijan, potentially, with where he's viewed in the dynasty. But the others, I think, not McCaffrey, but not McCaffrey and Taylor, but Hall and Gibbs specifically, I think I still have room to grow in that regard. But I do think probably the best play is to kind of move them for assets. I don't know if holding them long term, because I'm with Tim. I mean, look, there's such a small window for these running backs, and especially for how they're valued. Now, Adam, we'll get back to the running backs in a second, but I want to go back to my team because you had some comments as the draft was going on, <laughs> kind of belly aching about the uh, 2023 prospects of my team. Did it, did it change your strategy at all when I had Taylor, Cup, Kelsey, Fields, and then started drafting veterans like Mixon and Aaron Jones? Did you start looking more towards 2024? No, not really. I just started like, belly aching a little bit more i just really specifically, <laughs> specifically the mix and pick. i couldn't believe you didn't take him two rounds earlier and then you got him two rounds later are you kidding me so uh no because you never know what's going to happen in fantasy i mean you don't have a great super flex it's matthew stafford this is a super flex league um you definitely have some age and age is never completely reliable right there's always unpredictability so no it, it didn't change anything for me i was still determined to build a team that could win this year i think i have a nice mix of youth in there as well but I didn't see your team and go, well, it's over. I might as well just just look. I know you probably did, but I, I was <laughs> still playing for 2023. Now, Tim, you, you, you brought this up, and I think it kind of relates to that because there are some teams in this league who are probably playing for 2024, even if they don't acknowledge it yet. And your question was, does it make any sense to have productive running backs on teams that are not competitive? And my question, I think, actually, John Bosch asked this first on this show, does it make any sense to have any running backs on teams yeah. that are not competitive? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I think, I guess my first answer is no. Um, but then I think you need to know your league, right? You need to know that there's an active trade market in your league in so much as when it comes time to compete and you want to sell some assets in order, look, we may not like it that we have to have running backs in fantasy football, but we do, right? As a dynasty guy, like years and years, all I care about is wide receivers. But we have to have some running backs in order to win leagues. So you need to know that in your league, you're going to be able to make some trades when it comes time. So you need to know the league. You need to know it's active. But ideally, I'd rather not own any running backs until I'm truly ready to compete. And then we talked about this earlier. I mean, I want to trade for guys like Derrick Henry or uh, Akers, guys who are old. I want to sell second round picks. I want to send right. lesser yeah. prospects, whatever, and have those guys take me over the top when I want to win the league after I've built my base around uh, pass catchers. Okay, Dan, I, I don't know if you saw this or not. You probably did because you edit everything we write. But Scott White wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of hits on this topic about how hard it has gotten to make trades. And he was talking specifically uh-huh. about yep. fantasy baseball. But even but even so, like it's not just that it's gotten hard for everybody, which I think it has gotten harder for everyone, but it's gotten harder for him. <laughs> and I've noticed that in my leagues, too. It's it's much harder for me to complete a trade than it was 10 years ago. And I think there's a pretty obvious reason for that. People don't want to trade for me because if I want somebody, they think, well, I don't want to trade them away. Now, that's not true in the analyst league necessarily, although it's been pretty true in the YOLO league. Have you found that it's gotten more difficult to make these types of trades in Dynasty Leagues? And does that make you want to start building running backs a little bit earlier? Not necessarily. I think it just does depend on the league. Like this league we've 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 created right here. Kudos to everyone who's involved in it. 
it's been incredibly active. There's been a lot of trades just in the draft. I've never sure for you. I've sent 17 trade offers and not gotten one accepted (laughs) yet. No offense. Some of your trade offers have not been that great. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honestly on air. You want it to like, they don't seem that great when you get three first. You're giving me your first round pick, which is going to be like last or second to last for like a sixth round pick in a startup. Like I'm not going to do that. But then I understand. I didn't offer you three first round picks for Dalton Kincaid. Like it was one first round pick. And of course I'm going to take that one instead of yours, but I think you just got to have a little bit more back and forth maybe, but I don't know. I I see what you were trying to do. I get it. Um, But I think maybe in general trading has gotten more difficult, especially for the analysts. I know in my home league, people are very hesitant to trade with me. Uh, I think also what it comes down to Heath is, do you have a track record of trades work? And this is all recency bias too, right? Like just because a trade may work out for you two or three times in a row, doesn't mean you're quote unquote, like taking advantage of the league or anyone in the league. It just could be luck why that happened. But sometimes there are extenuating factors and circumstances that lead to people not wanting to trade with you. But in general, fantasy trading has always been kind of rough. It's kind of, it's in my opinion, the best way to do it is get into a one-on-one with that person, either via WhatsApp or text or something, and try to figure out what they're, what they need and what they're trying to improve instead of just the back and forth of, I offer this, you offer this type of stuff. Mm. I guess I'm turning into Mr. Azer trade, Adam. Can I say, first of all, I think the best way to trade is to post something on the message board and say, I want to trade this person make me trade offers that always seems to get me the best trade yeah. offers instead of just dealing with one person. But what's really interesting about this league is that uh, of all of us here today, I'm the only one that would know this. So half of the league is, is made up of the, you know, the, the dynasty league that was 10 years going and that folded last year. So that's half of it, including me. And half of it is, you know, the three, the other right. three of you on and, and Jamie and one other and a couple other guys. Right. So, that league, that first dynasty league, was the most inactive dynasty league in the history. Of dynasty. <laughs> if we had three trades in a year, it would be a shock. A shock. We didn't have any draft pick trading, basically. I mean, it, it just almost never happened. Uh, I'm so happy with how this is developing. We have a, we have a group WhatsApp that Heath is not a part of. By the way, didn't want to be a part of it. Uh, you should invite me. I. I offered you never, I will invite you. Uh, Dan showed up like the first day for two seconds. and hasn't been back. Uh, but no, we have a good, Tim, you got to get in there too. But That's true. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it, it is actually really, really fun so far. Extremely active, some good trash talk. I'm hoping that continues, but I don't know the league, Tim, you know, basically you got to know your league. I, I know that this, the previous version of this league was very inactive, but so far I'm very hopeful that there will be a lot of trading. Yeah. Well, if it's inactive, that's a problem for me with my 62 quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to get we're we're going to get to quarterbacks and Tim's team in just a second. One more running back question here, Tim. We'll start with you, Adam. You can follow up. Should there be that much difference between dynasty and redraft running back rankings? Yeah, I think there should be. I mean. It's so interesting hearing Tim, who's much more of a dynasty expert than I am, saying he's just all about wide receivers. But if you did get Ezekiel Elliott or something like that, you know, you would have been thrilled with that, his career. And and even McCaffrey, I guess McCaffrey's tough, but there's been some really good stuff. But yeah, I I do think it should be pretty different. I mean, I do think taking Jameer Gibbs and, is that what you did? Jameer Gibbs and Brees Hall, Dan? I did Jameer Gibbs and Brees Hall back to back. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there should be a pretty big difference. I think those guys should go ahead of, Derek Henry, for sure. I think they should go ahead of Austin Eckler. Yes, I think there should be a difference. Tim, tell him why he's wrong. Difference? Sure. Big difference? Probably not. I mean, look at the uh, 
just look at the results of the Big Burger League. I mean, nine of the top 12 running backs in that league are in your CBS consensus top 12 redraft rankings. Yeah. So how like young really is that? We like young running backs, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah, okay. So you're you're right. But I just, when I look at it, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think you got to look at these running backs in a very short-term horizon. So from my perspective, I thought it was sort of interesting that so many of the running backs taken at the top of the dynasty draft were also the top guys ranked on your y'all's site. So I, I don't think there should be that big a difference. And I think we should look at running backs on a very short term horizon, especially in super flex where we've got wide receivers who we can see on say a four or five year horizon and quarterbacks who we can see on even a much longer horizon. So I, I do want to, I want to stick with that for one, just one quick follow-up, Tim. So you talked about how basically you look at running backs for a two and maybe a half year window or a two and a quarter year window. How does that impact how you view Bijan Robinson? Cause some people are already elevating him up to number one overall or only behind Jefferson and chase where, how does that impact how you view Bijan? Yeah, I think that I'm glad you asked that. Um, I'm sort of passionate about Bijan. I think, um, I don't understand that any team should own Bijan. That's a hot take, right? Um, <laughs> I love it. Give me a sec. Give me a okay. sec. So if I'm a contender, um, I'm going to sell him for someone like uh, Saquon or Henry or CMC, and I'm going to get something to add into that, and I'm going to get similar production near term. If I'm rebuilding, I have no business owning him, and I'm going to sell him for uh, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, uh, someone like that, plus some other add-ons to that. I don't think there's any space where I want to own Bijan Robinson. <laughs> this is the hottest take in the history of Dynasty Podcasts, and I, I absolutely love it, Tim. Uh, but I... Like it does in I some see. ways make sense. The way it doesn't make sense is if you agree with Dave and Jamie and have Bijan as the number three running back this season, like for a contender, then it makes a little bit more sense to have him. But if you can get Christian McCaffrey and a fir multiple firsts, like it seems like like people are giving up insane amounts for Bijan and trade, then maybe it does make sense, even in that situation, to trade away Bijan Robinson. Let's talk about quarterbacks because Tim drafted pretty much all of them. That's not true, but you did draft a lot of the guys in that borderline top 12 QB range. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk about is like, we know that in a super flex league, we're going to see probably six, seven, maybe even eight quarterbacks go in round one. And there will be a couple that are definitely going to go, go in round two right after that. But then you get to that group. And I, I would even argue it might include Tua, who is on your team. It might include, it definitely includes Kyler, who's on your team. I think maybe CJ Stroud and Daniel Jones. No, of course, Dan took Daniel Jones. CJ Stroud, who's on your team. Kirk Cousins, Bryce Young. Like those guys, one of the things I've talked about, and we saw it kind of happen in this league, I don't like to push all of those guys up into the round two, round three range just because there's already eight or nine quarterbacks go. ADBP suggests that's mostly what happens with those guys. 
That's not what happened in this league. And so you took them all because they fell past where you drafted them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so when, when I think about drafting, I think about drafting on value. I think about drafting on youth. Um, and I think about drafting on trade value. So you have to let the draft come to you. I I mean, I think you did that in your draft, but going from very different perspective, like your team in Big Burger is uh, arguably a very much win now team. And that's kind of how the draft came to you. But for me, I was like, well, these quarterbacks keep falling. They keep falling. I was a little surprised by, the willingness of the players in this league, the managers in this league to let those quarterbacks fall, given how much of a point advantage there is at the super flex position with even a middling quarterback versus a, a player from any other position. Right. And and like you, obviously, you drafted, what, four or five of them. And so you're thinking – that you're going to trade some of these guys. Yeah. Are, are you thinking that like Derek Carr is probably a trade this year, right? Well, maybe, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, well, that, I think that's a really, that <laughs> I, I like that you said that because old is a relative term, right? Right. I mean, that's another reason that quarterback is so valuable. I mean, a middling quarterback like Carr or Goff or cousins, they hang around forever. Yeah. I mean, I, Versus anything else that could start in your super flex slot. I mean, I think Carr just signed a four-year, what, $150 million deal. He's going to play three more years. So, okay, he's going to put up – let's just say he's not very good. Let's just make that argument. I think that would be an easy argument to make. Okay. Would you agree that he's probably on average going to put up 16 points a game? 16 to – yeah, 16 to 18 probably. Okay, well, even more generous. Well, what does it take to get to 16 to 18 points in a different position? No, that's that's true. I think where, where I get lost, and Adam or Dan, well, it's been a while since I've, I've had you answer. Like what when comparing these guys to the guys that I ended up with, which were much, much later, like are you wanting to spend that second, third, maybe even fourth round draft capital to ensure that you, when you already, let's just say you already have a QB one, you feel good about to ensure that you also have a QB two, you feel good about, or are you okay having one strong QB and then multiple late round options that you're kind of patching that QB two range? No, I'm with Tim on this one. I think Tim and I actually align pretty much hundred percent in dynasty with what he said so far. I haven't actually maybe done so much of that in this big burger <laughs> draft. Cause I just kind of took value and at quarterback. I was in a tricky spot. Like to me, like when I, the spots I was in, I didn't see the value except for Daniel Jones. who I thought should have never felt fallen that far. He's 25 years old, signed to a four-year contract end of round four made no sense to me but like i didn't see the spot for Derek carr maybe it was and and there were spots like I, tim took a couple quarterbacks right before i was going to take them on the comeback round i think kyler was one of them and i forgot who the other one it might have even been Carr. but you have to kind of find the right spots for them too and and a lot of it for me is like a projection this is the part that i love the most about dynasty like i can make my own projections long term based on how i evaluate these quarterbacks and it doesn't have to be so 
I guess, strictly following AD, current ADP or current thoughts on these quarterbacks. I'll get into one of those examples later when we talk about my team. But that's kind of where I'm at with quarterback. I like to pick and choose almost like the guys that I see. But I, I see Tim's point, too. Like Derek Carr is as somebody who's probably going to have a job for at least three years. And then after that, it could even extend past that. Like Andy Dalton just started almost a full season last year out of nowhere. Really? No one really saw that coming. It wasn't projected or expected. And these quarterbacks, because there's it's, it's a supply and demand issue at running back. This is kind of the point at running back. These guys get cycled in and out because there's so much of a supply at quarterback. The supply is so low in the NFL, so incredibly low that it does give these guys a little bit more life. And I do think, Tim's right. They have more value than a lot of these other positions. Can, can I add to that? Like following on what Dan's saying, it's exactly right. So think about it this way. Here's a, here's a quarterback that I think we would all agree has been a disappointment. Carson Wentz. So take a number two. And I, the reason I'm bringing him up is CJ Stroud, right? So we've got a number two quarterback. There's a big history of number two quarterbacks, busting, whatever. Carson Wentz has averaged 218 fantasy points per year. That would, at that average, he's the same as T. Uh, T Higgins. So you're putting him in your fantasy spot or in your super flex spot, and you're disappointed by that because he's kind of a quasi bust, but he's better than a, a wide receiver who's on the fringe of wide receiver 2 1 in redraft leagues. Right. No, I, I think, and that that argument works in superflex um, to a certain extent, Adam, because we we do have this group of quarterbacks that went much later. Um, Sam Howell, Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, those guys. When if you do get stuck and you wait that long, and I think maybe you you got your two Q, QBs early and then waited a long time on QB three. Um, do you prefer the younger guys like Hal hoping that they might catch on and be a starter for two or three years? Or do you view all these guys as kind of one year stop gaps and just take the guy you think is going to score the most points regardless of age? The second one. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a lot of hope for Sam Howell. Um, if that pick ends up working out great to the person who has Sam Howell, but I'd rather take someone like Derek Carr. I'd rather take someone that I think could help me. Uh, certainly it's going to depend on my team, but someone who's going to either help me win this year or someone who's going to have more trade value. Personally, I just don't really think Sam Howell has. Well, much- it doesn't have to be Howell. It could be Desmond Ritter. It could like yeah. th- those types. Jo- um, I think Jordan Love even fell almost to that range. Love was a guy that I think went the pick before me or just before me that I really, really wanted. Uh, but I basically have a two QB team. I, 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 my third QB is Gardner Minshew. So I'm not happy about that at all. But I wanted a few guys, and then at some point I said I wasn't going to take Baker Mayfield. You know, I wasn't going to take, he may not want to be the starter. I wasn't going to take some scrub that I think is going to suck this year. I was going to take another position. And if I really need a quarterback, hopefully a guy like Khalil Herbert that I took pretty late or AJ Dillon or somebody with some dynasty value, I can turn into a quarterback at some point before the trade deadline. So I, I was not going to take a bad quarterback just for the sake of it. If I had, if I drafted a quarterback um, late in the draft, it was going to be someone that I thought could help me this year. And JVT says he did take Jordan Love and he would trade him to you for two firsts right now, which highlights <laughs> highlights how difficult it is to trade for quarterbacks. And one of the things that one of the advantages that Tim has is that when the rest of the league realizes that it's hard to acquire quarterbacks once we get past this, once you get past the startup, unless you happen to be in position to draft one. 
Well, that's I think that's an, a really important point. The cheapest time to get quarterbacks in a super flex league is at the startup. And there's yep. no doubt about that. And here's the other thing. If you want to do a trade in a super flex league, you almost have that involves a quarterback. You almost have to have a cruddy quarterback to bring back in it because nobody wants to send away a quarterback and not get one back. But, but I'd assume that you might be okay with trading away one, one quarterback well, without I'm getting a quarterback back. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at Tim's team, right. I, I wonder how you play this because your team, I'm, sh- I'm sure you've answered this before I got here. Uh, do you think it's a contender this year or were you playing more for next well, year? No, it's definitely not a contender. I mean, right. and what's missing in that graphic is that I also acquired two additional first round draft picks next year. Okay. So my, my strategy was, you know, this is like a DLF thing. We, and we talked about this a little bit before you joined Adam, um, Ryan McDowell, who was, uh, somebody who worked at DLF with me was, this concept of productive struggle. You build a dynasty team early on around saying, look, I'm going to build for the future. So I'm going to trade away uh, aging assets for younger ones. I'm going to acquire uh, future draft picks. I'm going to draft really young. So my goal with this team was to draft young, acquire future assets, and uh, have players that would have longevity in terms of like particularly the quarterback and wide receiver position. So yeah, no, this, I, I hope this team doesn't win a, a single game this year. Well, right. you, you could trade me George Kittle and Mike Evans. And we'll make sure that happens. Okay. Let's take a I'd short like to break. Do that. I mean, exactly. <laughs> the, the, well, that's funny you say that because those are players I felt forced to take. I didn't yeah. want them, but at the point in the draft that they came up, I, I couldn't pass on them anymore in hopes that I would be able in season to move them. Let's take a short break and then we'll get to Dan's team and Azer's team. That's what everybody's been waiting for. Yeah. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. I'm gonna leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount terms and conditions apply. All right, Dan, let's take a look at your squad, which I, I, I thought you did a good job of, although it seemed like at some points you might have been conflicted with what, and it might have been a forced situation like with what Tim said, with whether you were a contender or a rebuilder. Uh, not rebuilder, but a 2023 contender or a 2024 contender. You've got Josh Allen and Daniel Jones as your quarterbacks, all of the rushing yards. Jameer Gibbs and Brees Hall at running back, all of the youth. JSN and Zay Flowers are your starting wide receivers. Dallas Goddard at tight end 
And then James Cook, Elijah Moore, and Mike Williams are your current flexes. We won't get into the bench, but again, Allen and Daniel Jones, a good combo. Gibbs, Hall, Flowers, JSN, that's that's lots of youth. Do you feel like you're competing this year? Are you playing for 2024? What's the plan? I think I have an opportunity to potentially compete for 2023. I'm obviously this team is set up to compete for the future. I traded one of my picks for 2024 first. The minute you do that, you're pretty much signaling I'm playing for the future as well. But if things go right for this team, I think there is a chance they can compete mainly because I think there's a chance Gibbs and Brees Hall could be big fantasy factors this season, especially down the stretch. And if that is the case and they do kind of hit their ceiling range of outcomes, this team immediately becomes a competitor in my mind because a few players not mentioned on there are some win now players, Dalvin Cook and Cortland Sutton. Sutton, I know, is somebody you may not be as high on, Heath. I felt like he might have been one of the best values I got in the entire draft. Still just 27 years old. Some recency bias made him fall an insane amount of picks in this draft, I felt like. Um, and maybe the case isn't the same with Dalvin Cook, but Dalvin Cook also fell to a really, really far spot in this draft for me, and I was just like, I can't, I can't pass him up there. So a, a little bit of confliction, but that bench also has a ton of rookies as well. Dwayne McBride, Luke Musgrave, who I really, really like. I was really excited about getting Luke Shoemaker. Um, then some guys like T- uh, Jaden Reed, just kind of betting on the Packers being right at receiver so often in their in their history. Uh, and then Tyquan Thornton, a uh, player I really liked in last year's draft. He didn't have a great rookie season. But yeah, definitely a lot of youth here with the exception of Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, and Dalvin Cook, obviously as being the outliers there. Um, things I would have liked to do better, I would have liked to have more quarterback power. Um, that was hard to do in this draft. Adam kind of talked about it earlier. I know Tim said they fell, but maybe they fell to the point where Tim was just snapping them up and I just couldn't get them. I've talked about it earlier. Stroud was the other one I forgot, but Tim took at least two or three quarterbacks I had right on the top of my queue. So it was definitely tough to get quarterbacks. That's the one thing. And I'm definitely a little running back heavy as well um, for, for my type of build. But I'm, I'm happy with at least the fact that most of those running backs are, are still in the second or first year of their rookie contracts. So Tim, one of the things that stands out to me is that you went on that graphic we showed about the quarterback value, you'd shown Dak Prescott, I think QB 12 or 13 in terms of super flex value. I believe you took him at pick 24, which was one pick after Dan took Brees Hall. Brees, he did trade for, so it was Hall and then Dak. It was kind of missing out on Dak there, but he did trade for the first round pick. When you see this team, do you think when we get to midseason, Dan's moving more towards, I want to improve that 2024 pick, or is he one of those teams in the three, four, five seed discussion? Well, actually, I don't think I took Dak. Did he not go at 24? He did go 24. Yeah, that wasn't him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Somebody else took Dak at 20. So, but 12, Dak went at 24, 12 picks after where his ADP was, correct? Yeah, right. Which is really deep. Um, I'm sorry. So, ask the question again. I got thrown so, by. No, I think, yeah, you didn't take him. Dan took Brees Hall right before Dak there at pick 23. Right. Do, is that the type of play where you think maybe you go with the quarterback and do you think that Dan's team is more a gets to midseason and he's selling vets or gets to midseason and maybe he's using one of those 2024 first to go for it? Yeah, I would rather own Dak than Brees Hall in Superflex. I mean, if that's the question, I mean, as to where Dan's team goes, I don't know. I, I'd be actually slightly different question for Dan. I, I'm sort of curious about the JSN pick. Um, You took JSN quite a ways above uh, DK Metcalf. I I think that's an interesting uh, thing for fantasy owners, be it dynasty or redraft. Um, 
I mean, in the dynasty community at this point, JSN is, I guess, an earlier pick. I'm struggling with that. Uh, I still see uh, Metcalf as more valuable, but I know I'm in the minority. Yeah, I think for me, it's just, I, it's, this is the fun part about Dynasty. You get to kind of lean into your opinions of the players' um, skill sets actually versus kind of like the immediate now. To me, JSN has a lot more long term upside as a receiver. I just think he wins at the first and second level a lot better than DK Metcalf does. And he creates a lot more early separation than DK Metcalf. And Metcalf to me is on a little bit of a weird path in fantasy. Obviously last season had a lot of targets, didn't do a lot with those targets, despite the offense taking a big step forward in the passing game with Geno Smith at the career year. I still think he wins the really good in the ways that he wins DK Metcalf, which is on the vertical plane. Um, and, I guess 50, 50 contested catches, which I don't think he's been great at. And I'm personally not a fan of, I just like the player a lot more Jackson Smith and Jigba. So to me, it's like I get a younger player prospect and maybe I'm wrong on him. He doesn't develop into what he could be, but I see, I see somebody who could be in a hundred catch guy on a, on a yearly basis, hundred plus catch guy on a yearly basis. And, And just for reference, I have DK at wide receiver 16. I have JSN at wide receiver 17. I both have them at round four. I think you took JSN in round four. Is that right? Uh, no, Jones was my fourth round pick. I think JSN was fifth. Okay, Jones was your fifth round pick, so it must have been oh, JSN in round Maybe four. It was JSN, yeah. Uh, wh- one more for you, Dan. And, and Adam, you kind of follow up on this because you ended up in the same situation and kind of uh, yeah. said you thought it was a mistake. Dan, you've got, you've got Josh Allen, you've got Daniel Jones, Hendon Hooker, now you're QB3, which is kind of ironic because he's also the Lions QB3 after they signed Teddy Bridgewater. Was that a mistake or are you just okay with it? Not a mistake at all. Hendon Hooker was the player I wanted most in this draft, and I was a little worried about him, about me waiting so long. I I probably could have maybe waited another round, but I would have been so devastated if he wasn't taken. So this is the fun part about Dynasty for me. I had a lot of time to study these quarterbacks, these two, uh, Will Levis Levis and Hendon Hooker, because the Giants drafted two players um, who played with them. So Wondell Robinson last year played with Will Levis, and this year Jalen Hyatt played with Hendon Hooker. And obviously, for those who don't know, I have a Giants podcast where we do a lot of film stuff and X's and O's. So I got a chance to watch those two quarterbacks extensively. And I, the fun part about Dynasty to me is I can make a bet on what I see. And what I see is that Hendon Hooker, if I had a chance to take Hendon Hooker or Will Levis, I would take Hendon Hooker over Will Levis in Dynasty straight up. Because what I see from Hooker versus what I see from Levis is a big difference in the actual, in, in what I believe can actually work in the NFL. Levis to me is a mechanical thrower. Hooker is a very natural thrower. It's a quick release. He throws a natural ball. His accuracy down the field is light years ahead of Will Levis. I'm not sure Levis will ever get accurate down the field because by the way he throws the ball. Maybe you can fix his mechanics. It worked with Josh Allen. They found a way to do it. He's the one example. I haven't seen too many besides Josh Allen. I don't really foresee Will Levis. I guess he's bigger and I guess he's stronger, but he wasn't as good a runner as Hendon Hooker was either last year. If you look at the numbers, Hooker was a more explosive runner. You can lean on draft capital to say why Levis should be ahead of Hendon Hooker, but the real only reason Hooker fell in the draft was because he had a torn ACL. He was going to miss part of the season, which doesn't matter to me in Dynasty either. I like the team context better with Detroit versus Tennessee as well for the quarterback. So to me, this is the fun part about Dynasty. Like I I see that rankings-wise and Hooker's ranked so low, People, I, I was looking at one dynasty ranking before the draft to kind of get an idea of when I needed to target him. I saw 250. Levis is ranked uh, around 140. 
but I just don't see it at all. So uh, I got to enjoy that. So to me, it, it's like getting a Levis as my QB three is the way okay. I look at it or better. Okay, Adam, that, that, that turned into the Hendon hooker infomercial. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that people got to hear that, but Adam, you, you said you weren't happy with Minshew. Is that, is that a problem you try to solve before week one? Is that a problem you try to solve before your first buy or is your plan, I'm just going to start a running back or wide receiver in that super flex spot the week that I need one? That it, Okay, I think my plan should be to try to solve that problem before week one. So I have Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, and my number three quarterback is Gardner Minshew. So I think I should probably try to solve that problem. Like Tim was saying the best time to get your super flex, uh, your quarterbacks is on draft day, right? I mean, that's when... You're going to have the best value because once you need a quarterback in a league where there's nothing on the waiver wire, uh, you're in trouble. So I should probably try to address that early, and maybe I will. Uh, knowing me, it's the busiest time of year for us, and I have like 12 other teams. I hope I can commit to that, but knowing me, I probably won't. I probably will not do it, but I, I should. I should. Maybe I'll put something on the message board. So my advice to you all out there is that you should try, if you're in a similar situation as me and you don't have a number three quarterback really in a super flex league, uh, you should do something about it before you need to do something about it. I feel like I could get, if you could told me that Watson and Lawrence were going to play 17 games each and all they were going to miss was their bye week. I feel like I could get by, you know, I feel like it's not a huge deal. If there's an injury to one of those two guys, I'm in a ton of trouble. Uh, and it's just not a great roster composition anyway. So I think I should probably try to address that before, before I have no leverage. Okay, I'm going to read through Adam's team here, Tim, and then I'd like for you to tell us what's the second cheapest time to acquire quarterbacks because that's what Adam needs to know. But Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson are his quarterbacks. Travis Etienne and Ken Walker, all the running backs. Stephon Diggs and Quentin Johnston at wide receiver. He's got Trey McBride at tight end. We'll get back to that in just a moment, Adam. The flex is Alexander Madison, Amari Cooper, and Gabe Davis. I'm not sure I've ever seen so many Clemson Tigers on one roster because he also has a couple on the bench, I think, as well. Justin Ross <laughs> and, and at least one other. Tim, what's the what's the second cheapest time to acquire a quarterback in a super flex league? And and what do you think of Adam's build here? Um well I think Adam's right. I mean he needs to do it before he gets leveraged. Um I like his team and I think if I were he I'd be uh thinking about trying to trade Alexander Madison for a quarterback before Alexander Madison uh, busts. Yeah. That's not a bad point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I do think that like of the guy, like looking at that roster, it's probably that way, or maybe, maybe it's Khalil Herbert. If he has a really good week one, you mentioned that yeah. Adam, maybe it's Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. If, if something Aaron Jones has a one or two week absence that you can take advantage of. But the other question I have, Adam, and like he said, you're hoping that you can compete this year and in the future, you've got Trey McBride at tight end. Yeah. Do you view him as someone who's actually a viable starter this year? And how do you view him long-term in comparison to Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, those guys? I think I view him pretty favorably, not not to Kincaid, um, and probably not to Laporta. But I actually look, we get we get year two tight ends that did nothing as rookies and have huge careers a lot. You look at Kittle, Gronkowski, uh, Mark Andrews. So judging a guy based on his rookie season is is not smart. You know, you gotta you, like look at the pedigree. 
that was a really good pass catcher in college. He got a lot of playing time at the end of the season and was not bad with it in, in his rookie season. He's got a 33-year-old Zach Ertz who's coming off a torn ACL to compete with. And I, I guess I'll say this out loud. I might take Zach Ertz with one of my last picks uh, in this draft. We still have, I think, two or three. I think more. Dan's already yeah. taken him twice, but yeah. um, he's still available somehow. <laughs> he auto-picked him. That was my fault as the commissioner for not turning off the clock overnight. Uh, but I think McBride's is a really good dynasty sleeper. I got him in round 13 of this draft. Uh, I also took Tyler Higby, though. So if I do want to go win now, Higby might be the guy to get me 10 PPR points per game. But but if Ertz is out or just isn't good anymore, I actually think McBride is a, is a sleeper in both redraft and dynasty this year. Sleeper at tight end, um, both in dynasty and redraft. Let me ask you guys, Herb Smith. I feel like we're all sleeping on Herb Smith. I, I am the Irv Smith guy. Uh, you, you, so you you have found the right podcast, Tim. That was an excellent way to uh, to to shut this down. I do think that he gets Hayden Hurst's target share last year. He's probably looking at 80 to 90 targets. I think he can be more efficient than Hurst was just because Hurst's season last year was one of the least efficient we've seen from a tight end. And Irv is someone like, kind of a post-hype breakout who we had hoped for before his injury. So I absolutely love that. He's a he's a top 15 guy for me in right dynasty and, and, a, and a top or a top 15 guy for me in redraft and a top 20 guy in dynasty. Disagree. On which part? I don't think <laughs> he, I think if you look at the target share and I haven't done this, but I think it would it would coincide greatly with when one of the wide receivers was hurt or not playing. I think that's when we saw spike. Higgins is always hurt. Well, we saw big spikes in that. Like Higby was not a reliable, or not, oh, sorry, um, Hurst was not a reliable player on a week to week basis. You were only targeting him when somebody was out and Chase missed five games midseason. So I think, I just don't think there's anything reliable there from Herb Smith. And I don't know, maybe I, it's just there's been too much failure. It's not just one year. He hasn't done anything. What's he going into his fourth year, fifth year? So yeah, I'm, with, I'm with Tim and Heath on this because oh, I think get out of here. Well, I think it just comes down to what do we see teams do against the Bengals last year? The only thing they can do play too high shell because you have Jamar Chase and Higgins on the outside. If you're playing a lot of too high shell, that means there's going to be the middle of the field open for the tight end. Irv Smith may not be the best player in the world, but it's going to be open a lot. And so Burrow is a smart enough quarterback, I think, to make that read a lot. So we'll see. Dan, thank you for agreeing with us on Irv Smith. Adam, thank you for making your first I didn't do appearance. That just Adam. That's my truth. That's my thing. <laughs> you do it. You suck up to the guests. You've, just, you've agreed with Tim on every single thing you said today. Tim and he have the same dynasty strategy. <laughs> We're going off the rails. Adam, thank you for joining us for the first time talking about thank you for getting the Baked Burger Dynasty League, not just its name, but letting us all be a part of it. Tim, thank you for part, being a part of the league, for being a part of today's show. You brought some great knowledge, some really great conversation. Thank you to everybody who listened, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.